Welcome to the Not Old Better Show Inside Science and Healthcare interview series on radio and podcast. I'm Paul Vogelzang. And today's show is brought to you by Liquid IV Fueling Life's Adventures. As part of our Inside Science Healthcare interview series, we continue our ongoing healthcare series. Sometimes our healthcare interviews, particularly on the science side of things, can get a bit detailed and, well, scientific. <laughs> That's great, but it's always nice to hear the story of someone who's been impacted by that healthcare and by that science. Today, our guest, Howard Chang, offers his important story. Howard Chang will join us momentarily, and I'll introduce him then, but we have much to discuss today. But quickly, if you missed any episode, last week was our 736th episode when I spoke to Dr. Bridget Cole-Williams, who specializes in family practice and cannabis medicine, along with mental health and cannabis, sleep, skincare with cannabis, and much more. Two weeks ago, I spoke with Smithsonian's Dr. Floyd Shockley to help us understand the spotted lanternfly, the hammerhead worm, lots of other insects that are going to impact us and their role in the environment. Excellent subjects for our Not Old Better Show audience. If you missed those shows along with any others, you can go back and check them out along with my entire back catalog of shows all free for you there on our website, notold-better.com. You can Google Not Old Better and get everything you need to know about us. As I mentioned, Healthcare patient stories can be so much more powerful and meaningful than just the data, research, and science, albeit impactful. Howard Chang is not only a name, but a symbol of perseverance, dedication, and empathy. Living with severe plaque psoriasis for over 40 years, Howard's life has been a remarkable journey of fighting not just a personal battle, but leading a communal one. Howard Chang is a champion of advocacy for those people of color living with healthcare inequities. He is a prolific writer on this subject of his advocacy, a spiritual leader who holds a doctor of ministry and someone whose story of resilience and leadership will be inspiring and have a profound impact on our Not Old Better show audience as it has with me. Howard Chang's story is a compelling testament to the power of human will, compassion, and the ability to transform personal suffering into a widespread positive force. Howard Chang is a spokesperson for Janssen and for the Determination Program, but he joins us today to talk about his personal struggle and his prolonged struggle with plaque psoriasis, a chronic condition that resonates with aging adults concerned about their health. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show, Inside Science, healthcare interview series on radio and podcast, Howard Chang. Dr. Howard Chang, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me today. You know, our audience is is absolutely interested in healthcare. It's the number one most searched for term among my age group, those of us who are, are 60 plus. And so your story is a compelling one. And I'm excited to get into it because I think these stories of patient care, patient advocacy, certainly this is what you're all about, are, are just really meaningful to our audience. And so why don't we start really at kind of the beginning of your story and maybe you can describe some of these initial challenges that you faced with a diagnosis of, um, you know, severe uh, plaque psoriasis, uh, PSO as, as it's known, and maybe how your own cultural background influenced that, that diagnosis process, because I think that's an interesting intersection. I think our audience is going to be interested in hearing that just right out of the gate. Yeah, my psoriasis 
first broke out when I was about eight years old. So I was an elementary school kid. And my parents, you know, they're from China and then they immigrated from Taiwan. Uh, they were pretty young. They're in their 20s, but they're, they're very Chinese. And so they, they told me later that they thought it was just a rash, that back in the village, they saw rashes, they would just kind of let them go. So there was definitely a delay in my diagnosis um, because of that. When it didn't go away on its own, they took me to see a pediatrician. And then that pediatrician referred me to a dermatologist. But when I look back, I realized that they didn't really have a lot of experience working with children of Asian descent, Chinese-American like myself. I was one of two Chinese-Americans in my school, Asian-Americans in my elementary school. Just to give you an idea, I grew up in the suburbs of the San Francisco Bay Area. And so it wasn't until a couple of years later that um, the dermatologist in my town referred me to the um, University of California San Francisco Medical Center. And that's when I got a firm diagnosis of psoriasis a couple of years later. Thank you for that. I, I do think this is a powerful story for our entire audience. But as an Asian American, what do you think were some of the barriers that you encountered it is this misdiagnosis took place and it it occurred does it parallel the fact of of your uh, being asian american yeah like i said uh, there weren't a lot of asian americans so i don't think they really understood psoriasis in asian americans mm-hmm. back when i was probably late 70s early 80s around that time period so i think that was a barrier Another barrier is just my parents were hardworking immigrants. Mm-hmm. You know, they came with nothing. My dad came as a graduate student, hardworking. My mom opened a store, a retail store in a local mall, and she worked seven days a week. And I think they just weren't as in tune with my my health. They just kind of, you know, naturally, I think they were just working so hard they didn't really see it as much. So I think that definitely played into kind of my kind of having to live with severe condition before it was really diagnosed or, or treated. Um, another aspect I think was a barrier is just, like I said, talking about my parents' business, but uh, the kind of care that I needed wasn't close by. And so I had to drive from East Bay, part, my part of East Bay to Oakland, and that was about 45 minutes during commute time. I also missed school, and my mom didn't drive. She came from Taiwan, they didn't drive over there, so she was afraid of driving on the freeway, but she had to drive on the freeway for me. And it was just a, a huge sacrifice for her. Um, when I think back on everything that she went through to, to care for me. There's just all these barriers just to get me phototherapy a couple times a week. Well, you're talking um, about my own hometown. Um, my family uh, were immigrants and, and uh, ultimately landed at the San Francisco Bay Area. I, I was born in Daly City. So I, I know that oh. area well. And, and I, I, get, I guess I can relate pre- pretty well to hearing you drive. How did you cope <laughs> with all of that? Because that's... That's a hardship in and of itself. So emotionally, you had health issues. You had these kind of other things going on, plaque psoriasis, severe plaque psoriasis. How did all of that kind of help you deal with the condition, both physically and emotionally? Yeah, the coping part, I think, mm-hmm. is a real challenge when I was a child. Mm-hmm. Like I said, my parents just weren't really there for me emotionally. I think there was also a, a, this cultural aspect. Remember, my parents would talk about eating bitter. Uh, cool. And so eating better was, was this um, kind of idea of uh, persistence and working hard and suffering silently and not complaining, but kind of for a future good, a future outcome. Mm. And so um, I really could see that's how they parented me. It was, I was kind of an emotional kid. I would cry. I would struggle. And 
my dad would just say, don't cry. Like, and he told me the story about his, how his dad literally threw him out of a window in the village in Hunan wow. and, um, and to- when he cried. And so um, I never met my grandfather. He died in the communist revolution in China. But um, I think that legacy passed on where you really couldn't show emotion, that it was hard. So um, it was really difficult kind of to cope um, again with parents who were just not that present, working hard, and then having this a more Chinese stoic mentality toward um, toward emotions. Uh, so um, I had a really tough childhood. I'll be honest with you, Paul. It was it was difficult. Um, I was just I, I think I just stuffed a lot in and became depressed. I was an anxious kid and low self esteem, social anxiety, and all and the whole bit. Fascinating eating bitter. Did I get that right? Is that the phrase? Eating bitter. That's really yeah. We used to eat bitter melon. If you've ever had bitter melon, it's Fascinating. not the most pleasant thing. But that was part of um, learning how to eat bitter. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. The immigrant experience is one I think so many uh, of us share. I, I, I do. And you have this interesting mm. overlay with it in that you, you, you're a Chinese-American immigrant. And so you bring with you some of this Eastern and Western culture, and in particular, Eastern and Western medical philosophies did you did you have yeah. to balance that how how was that in your household yeah i did have to balance that eastern and western you know my my parents just talked about how you know, we have this 5000 year history of of culture and medicine and so uh, every weekend we drove to chi- san francisco chinatown it's just like a weekly thing to get groceries and uh, to get chinese food in the restaurants um, and so there were also herbal medicine, you know, shops in Chinatown. And so they, they got me a lot of bitter herbs um, to, to try for my psoriasis. Um, I've tried some crazy stuff. I've tried snake powder. Mm. It didn't really help too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, they sent me, when I went to China, they sent me to doctors, uh, Chinese medicine doctors. Um, and there was this kind of um, mentality. And I, I saw it also as a minister in the Chinese ethnic church for mm-hmm. 25 years mm-hmm. from the older generation that they, um, they have this bias against Western medicine. And um, they would say it was a du yao, which is like poison, literally poison medicine. Mm. And so um, I, but I, you know, growing up, I was born in the States, first one of my family, um, either side born outside of China and Taiwan. And so I'm kind of this mix myself. And I think I also became a mix in terms of trying Eastern and Western uh, kind of medications. And over time, realizing that I have the best of both worlds. <laughs> That's true. I, I like the way you put that. I have experienced uh, acupuncture and found great relief from that. And mm. so I, I kind of feel like there's much to gain from Eastern and Western medical philosophy. So I, I appreciate your perspective on that. I think we're yeah. all, all of us, certainly in my, my age group, are on, the, on a health journey. And... Um, health-related paths, whatever those might be. You've had a, an interesting one. And so maybe tell us how you've come to this place in your life that you're now an advocate for others that are in similar situations, not necessarily with severe plaques rises, but you're an advocate for health. Mm. Mm. Yes, yes. I really love that word, journey. Mm-hmm. Remember when I, I first started thinking about writing or blogging, which I, you know, I'll show you about in a second, um, I called it my psoriasis journey because mm-hmm. uh, health is an adventure. It's with us for a lifetime. There's ups and downs and, and climbs and valleys and mountaintops. And so, um, and I also see that with age as I'm over 50 now and just seeing how my body is changing and my health 
is changing as well with it. You know, my, my health journey has really coincided with my faith journey. And a big turning point for me was when I was in college. I was in a, a campus group, a Christian campus group. And one of the leaders took the time to really listen to me, to hear me, hear my story, supported me. I talked about going to phototherapy appointments. Um, I went to University of California, Davis, and I had to go to Sacramento to get phototherapy. And he'd drive me once a week. And it was just um, amazing just to have that kind of um, friendship and support. And, and so that group, it was big back then. We had about 350 in a lecture hall, and I got to share my psoriasis story with my fellow students um, as like a 20-year-old. And it was incredibly empowering and freeing for me to do that. Others came up to me and told me about their health condition. So many people over the years have told me, like, I've never told anyone about this condition I have, whether it was psoriasis or something else. Like, you're the only one. It was because I put myself out there. So kind of fast forward to my 30s, um, around the mid-2000s, and health blogging was kind of in its early stages. And so, I, like I said, I wanted to write this psoriasis blog. And so I reached out to a site, it was called Health Talk back then, and they offered to host my blog. And they said, you're not going to get paid, but we'll give you a platform. And I knew that it was making a difference when people were commenting that, um, that it was, I was one of the first people they had met with psoriasis, which kind of amazed me. This is pre-social media and so forth. So I've been writing that blog for 16 years. Now it's with everydayhealth.com. It's called the Itch to Beat Psoriasis. I do some other um, aspects of uh, volunteering and advocacy as well, on top of uh, being a full-time minister. I volunteer uh, with the National Psoriasis Foundation as the Western Advocacy Co-Chair. So we advocate for legislation in state and federal houses um, for uh, bills for, uh, to have access to health care. And um, I was a volunteer leader of the year for the MCF back in 2021, which uh, you know, I was very honored to receive. Um, I blog for a few different sites. I serve on patient panels and advisory boards. And uh, I'm a community ambassador for a psoriasis community on um, inspire.com as well. And then finally, I'm really proud to be part of an initiative called Determination, uh, which was formed by Janssen along with patients like myself, and advocates and healthcare providers who share a commitment to support more equitable and quality medical care for, you know, for Black, Hispanic, Asian, other people of color living with you know, psoriatic disease. I will be right back with our Jen and the healthcare inequities among older adults of color. Lots more to tell you, so please stay tuned. I mentioned that today's show is brought to you by Liquid IV, fueling life's adventures. You know, when it comes to health, you have to account for a lot, including staying hydrated, not just at times of high energy athletics, but just doing what you do, your daily activities. I keep a full water bottle right at my side at all times, and I love water, but I also enjoy a little variety in hydration, and our sponsor today, Liquid IV, makes the water so much better. Liquid IV, the number one powdered hydration brand in America is now available in sugar-free with three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink. Liquid IV hydrates two times faster than water alone, and it tastes amazing. I love the new flavors, white peach, green grape, and lemon lime. Yum. I do love the flavors, but I also love the convenience. The convenient packages allow me to take powder packets on the go, grab my bottle, add water, and 
the liquid IV powder, and I am hydrating at two times faster and more efficiently than water alone. For those of us in the Not Old Better Show audience, our vitamin intake is crucial, and liquid IV contains eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness. Plus, all of us, particularly in our Not Old Better Show audience, love to give back. Liquid IV believes this too. Liquid IV is leading the charge to make more equitable access to clean and abundant water the foundation of a healthier world. Liquid IV has donated over 39 million serving packets in 50 plus countries worldwide. Really great world partner in donations. I love that. What you'll love is the Liquid IV Real Flavors, the real hydrating power, and the real people behind the Liquid IV product that you can grab and go sugar-free, yummy flavors, and hydration multiplier. Great stuff. You can now buy in bulk nationwide at Costco or get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code NOB at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you use the promo code NOB at liquidiv.com. And now back to our important health interview with Howard Chang and healthcare inequities among older adults of color. We are with Dr. Howard Chang. We're talking today about Dr. Howard Chang's 40-year battle with psoriasis and his mission to address healthcare inequities among people of color. It's just a fascinating subject. Dr. Chang, we're, we're so grateful for your time. I know you're very busy. You just listed all of your activities and uh, <laughs> you got a lot of stuff going on. And so thank you for your time today and for your contribution on everything. Let's, let's talk a little bit about your work with Janssen and Determination. How were the the initiatives that you're working on there creating and and you know more a more equitable and a, perhaps a more high quality medical care for older age people of color with with psoriatic disease and and other conditions? Yeah, so I've been part of determination since the beginning as a patient advocate, and um, we've created two solutions to improve diagnosis and care and outcomes for patients of color living. You know, with this chronic lifelong disease, psoriasis, um, including those of older age. And the first is a patient navigation pilot program that's between Janssen and SUNY Downstate Health Sciences University um, in Brooklyn, New York, and supports people of color living with psoriatic disease. And so this program enlists SUNY Downstate medical students to serve as patient navigators to support at-risk patients by following up after you know, they have missed appointments or reminding them to pick up their medications or prescriptions, uh, providing educational materials and information in multiple languages. Also, um, I'm proud to have contributed to uh, my patient perspective to the first of its kind healthcare provider resource uh, called Beyond the Textbook. And this educates healthcare providers on how psoriatic disease prevents in people of color and how to navigate um, conversations with patients in culturally inclusive way. So if you want to learn more about the determination um, initiative and, down, and download the Beyond the Textbook, um, you can visit the website, www.determine-nation.com. Thank you for that. We, we will have links in our show notes today for determination and beyond the textbook. I found that material on the website. I thought that was very helpful. So I think our audience will as well. And we'll make sure to, mm. to link to that. You've had this amazing path. You've taken um, 
an awful lot of twists and turns over 40 years with uh, psoriatic, uh, with, with, with psoriasis, with your battle with psoriasis. I wonder if you could tell us maybe some of the, the untold health obstacles that, that older age people of color, particularly Asian Americans, face uh, as, as they encounter this and how maybe the medical community can, can overcome some of these challenges better. Yeah, this is a really great question that I care deeply about. Um, I'm not super old yet, but my parents, <laughs> mm-hmm. interestingly, were both diagnosed with psoriasis in their 70s. Hmm. So for years, I had no clue where I got psoriasis from. And then they turned 70-something, and I figured it out. And so as I look at their journey, I think it really speaks to me of kind of the obstacles and barriers and difficulties that older Asian Americans face with their psoriasis diagnosis. They were you know, like I said, they came to the States in the mid-1960s. They've been here a long time, but they're still very Chinese. They have language and cultural barriers. They don't understand all the medical terminology. Mm-hmm. And they still carry that that cultural aspect of, kind of listening to the doctor. The doctor is um, in charge. He's the, he or she is the authority. And so you don't, you don't question. Uh, you know, I use my dad's psoriasis as a uh, example because his is a little more severe and when he was first diagnosed he would go see the doctor and then he wouldn't ask the doctor questions he would come talk to me and ask me questions <laughs> and i said well you should ask your doctor <laughs> so then i email him questions to ask his doctor and then he would forward those along i'm like okay dad you're like you're this engineer you know professional but you're you, you still don't you can't ask the doctor questions so um it just struck me later he didn't feel comfortable asking that particular dermatologist question. And I noticed that when he has a Chinese doctor or, or an Asian doctor, he trusts them more. He's willing to talk to them and message them more. And, um, and if he can speak Chinese to them, you know, the outcomes are even better for him. So I think there's a cultural aspect. He's a little bit more westernized, so he will speak up. But um, if it's someone he doesn't feel as comfortable with, he kind of will let things go. And honestly, the treatments he was getting and, and he wasn't um, getting the best treatment for him. So I think that speaks to language culture issues. I think another obstacle is gaps in healthcare provider knowledge. Mm-hmm. That psoriasis can look different on different skin tones. And mm-hmm. one study found that among people of color with psoriasis, Asians actually had the largest affected area of skin. So you can see a difference there. And the research um, has also shown dermatologists are less confident in diagnosis psoriasis on darker skin. And I think it's partly due to the lack of representation of patients of color in medical education. Um, only 18% of images in dermatology textbooks showcase conditions on darker skin. So there's gaps in healthcare provider knowledge. Um, there's also um, underrepresentation in clinical research, medical, medical mistrust around clinical trials in particular have led to this underrepresentation of color of people of color in psoriatic disease research. So that leads to less um, data and information about how to um, treat and care for those um, who are underrepresented. And then just speaking specifically to the AAPI community, um, research tends to aggregate the data. So, um, you know, as you know, Asian Americans are not a monolith. There's a lot of subculture, even within Chinese or subcultures and so forth. So, you know, when we talk about AAPI health, disparities to group together and it's difficult to see data that really impacts specific communities you know over others obviously you're a doctor of ministry you're an advocate on on many levels you're you're really giving back in in some big bold ways 
How has mm. this long 40-year journey contributed to your maybe broader understanding of health and wellness? And what, what advice would you give to our audience about having a, a, a broad understanding of their health and wellness based on, you know, what you've learned? Yeah, I think a big part for me has been kind of figuring out my identity, who I am, mm. and then how that plays out into how I live and how I uh, see health and wellness um, holistically. And so I know when my psoriasis journey started, you know, I was primarily identified as a child of immigrant Chinese parents living in the Bay Area. And at the time, I desperately, desperately didn't want to have psoriasis. I don't think anyone wants it. But I also didn't want to be Chinese because I was in a mostly white, you know, um, American culture. And so I, I didn't fit in. I was between two worlds. But, you know, when I look back on my kind of memories of going to San Francisco Chinatown, these are like fond memories. Now I climbed on the play structure at Portsmouth Square, you know, above the parking garage in Chinatown. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think primarily of all the, you know, the bitter herbs I had to take, but I think about paint, spending time with my parents and, understanding their culture better, the groceries, why it was so important to drive an hour each way to get groceries and eat Chinese food. And I think about my parents and their sacrifice and their love they provided, but you know, they didn't, they weren't there for me as much emotionally, but um, they were there for me whenever I needed them, you know, um, in providing the medical care that I needed and getting my medications and helping me. So I think just embracing my identity as a Chinese American and as a Christian that I live with severe psoriasis and those identities, they shape me to this day. They're not something I need to eschew or, or bury. And as I embrace who I am as a Chinese American, um, I, I could say before I have this incredible wealth of options, um, not just medically, but philosophically and culturally taking the best from Western and Eastern medications um, to employ on my health and wellness journey. Um, I also, you know, I think through my faith, I've been able to have take what I've gone through, like you said, over 40 years, and a lot of it has shaped me and formed me into a better person. I've learned persistency, empathy. Um, you can ask my wife, I think I've become a more patient person. <laughs> and I've gained a passion to help and advocate for others. My whole life is really about helping and advocating for others, whether it's kind of in the ministry church setting or in this health advocacy setting. It's really what I live for. So, um, yeah, I think the takeaway for me is that wellness and health, it's, it's not only physical, it's holistic, and it's communal. It's just, I'm not doing this all by myself. And so um, now that I'm in my 50s, I realize um, that I don't want to go it alone. I realize I can't. And I also am thankful that I don't need to, that there are others who can come alongside of me. Hmm. Very nice. Well put, Dr. Chang. Resilience. Is, is the other word that, that comes to mind as I, I think of you and as I did my research on, on you and your background. I, I just have one final mm-hmm. question for you. Where do you see all this going? What's your vision for the future of healthcare equity, particularly for older age Asian Americans, but also just older the older age community and, and people of color with chronic conditions? I guess, how, how do we really get our providers to work together to uh, bring this to the fore and, um, and have a better understanding of, of overcoming some of these inequities? Yeah, I just think on a big picture, I just want to see everyone, whatever the race, background, condition, socioeconomic status, that they can get the health care that they need. There's no barriers to it. And um, that 
that we can be as healthy as we can so we can do the things that, that we are called to do and live a full life. And one thing that really has struck me in my kind of journey with determination in particular is that the burden of the healthcare should not be on the patient. A lot of times I think about being an advocate and I have to, I have to climb walls and knock down barriers, but why should it be on me? I have a chronic illness already. I'm already struggling with a lot of things to just kind of make it through the day at times, you know, when things are bad. And as I get older, there's more health issues. There's more different things coming up. And it's a lot. And I think a lot of people will just give up um, if they don't have someone advocate for them. So I really feel like the burden needs to be put back on the healthcare system. We talked about research, you know, representation and in um, medical schools and in medical trials, uh, you know, medication trials and so forth. Um, all of these need to be you know, implemented and, and brought into the system so that no one falls through the cracks, especially people like my parents who are older Asian Americans, um, but anyone really um, who, there are a lot of cracks in the healthcare system so that no one you know, will fall through the crack. And if you have a chronic illness, you're living with it. You don't, it doesn't just go away. Right? It's going to be there. So we need to have that sustainability and that vision um, to serve and not put it on the patient's back. Dr. Howard Chang, uh, wonderful to speak with you. Thank you again for your time. It's very inspiring. This, this journey to wellness that you've been on is such an inspirational one. And I, and I know it's just going to appeal so much to our audience and, and all of us who are interested in, in kind of this notion of being able to triumph over adversity. Thank you for all that you've done and all you're doing and for joining us today. My, my best to you. Uh, I will say this selfishly as you uh, make further progress on, on this road, as you do more research, as you uh, have uh, additional stories to share, we'd, we'd love to have you back, Dr. Chang. But thanks for your time and have a great rest of your day out there on the West Coast. I guess I'm talking to you in Sacramento today. Is that is that right? That's right. Yes, Good. I am. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Paul. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this, um, this chance to, to share my story. Thank you, Dr. My thanks to Liquid IV for sponsoring today's show. Liquid IV, fueling life's adventures. Please support our sponsors who in turn support the show. My thanks to our guest today, Dr. Howard Chang, and his powerful story about resilience. Howard Chang is a paid spokesman for Janssen Global Services and their determination program. My thanks as always to the Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show. And thanks always to you, my wonderful Not Old Better Show audience here on radio and podcast. Remember, stay safe. Let's talk about better, the Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody, and we will see you next week.